Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Well, this morning, I want to return to the difficult issue of high school coaches who moonlight in the summer or off season as travel team coaches. Now, this issue of a perceived conflict of interest is a thorny one. As you might recall, we discussed this concern a few months ago when I had Craig Semple, the athletic director at Daniel Hand High School from Madison, Connecticut, on the show. Now, Craig had done massive research on a state-by-state approach on trying to figure out which states allow their coaches to work at paid positions in the offseason. In effect, to be paid for their coaching services by the very same athletes who they work with during the school year. Now, Craig was very clear, if high schools allow their coaches to work with their athletes in the summertime, then the fee that they charge has to be very, very nominal, and these sessions have to be strictly optional in every way, uh, of the, in every sense of the word. There was no talk ever of charging thousands of dollars for all-year travel programs. Obviously, there's a big difference. Uh, now, look, beyond individual state laws, many school districts and boards of education already have rules on their books that strictly prohibit this kind of potential conflict of interest. Coaches getting paid by their athletes, or so the argument goes, it's very parallel to a math or English teacher being paid by a student to be tutored and who happens to be in their class. Now, in recent months, I've been doing some very informal surveys about this issue, and most of the time when I talk with high school sports parents, they simply shrug and say, yeah, if, if my kid wants to make the varsity lacrosse team next spring, then he has to pretty much attend the varsity coach's summer lacrosse program. It's as simple as that. Cost? Uh, $3,000. <laughs> you can plug any sport you want into that statement. Lacrosse, soccer, baseball, so- softball, basketball. And you can almost insert any amount of money to be paid by these coaches. And that, look, I understand some coaches will try to disguise all of this, and they'll say, no, 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 I don't get paid by the parents directly for their kids. I work for the travel team. And the administrator, uh, whoever runs the travel team, then pays me a salary. Well, this, of course, is seen by the coach as making things very legitimate and very transparent. But, in fact, it's not. In fact, in some cases... The coaches, the high school coaches, will actually set up a, a, a small corporation, uh, an LLC, a limited liability corporation, which is not in his or her name technically, but of course the, he's the president of the corporation and collects all the monies that the parents pay on behalf of their athletes. Now, the reason why I want to revisit this topic again this morning is because there's a 
disturbing situation that's brewing in Rockville Center out in Long Island, that it's quickly evolving into a classic case study of what happens when a longtime high school varsity coach is working with select athletes on a travel team. And the kids have to pay and pay a lot of money to be in that team, and the coach benefits from those payments. Now, a little background. For many years, Southside High School uh, boasted of having one of the premier girls' soccer teams, not just in Long Island, but throughout New York State. I mean, for decades, the Southside High School girls' soccer team won dozens of New York State championships. They were a dynasty. But that all came to an end around 2012. And these days, Southside is still a most competitive program, but they don't dominate like they used to. In any event, to help fuel the team's success, many of the girls have tried out and have played for a travel soccer team in the neighboring town of East Meadow. The coach of that East Meadow travel squad is the longtime assistant girls soccer coach at Southside High School. But over the last few seasons, some of the soccer parents in Rockville Center, which is where Southside High School is, they've begun to notice a troubling pattern. And as you might imagine, the competition to make the varsity team at Southside is fierce. But curiously, of the current 20 girls on the varsity roster, more than half of those girls who made the varsity team, they all play for that same Southside assistant coach on the East Metal travel team. It's an all-year program. The price tag to be in that travel team, apparently it's around $3,500 a year, which does not include the travel to tournaments that the parents have to pay for. But beyond that, there's a general sense, there's a perception out in Rockville Center that if your daughter wants to make the varsity soccer team, well, they, he better understand they need to play in that coach's outside travel squad. Is that just a coincidence? Or is there a real or just is there a real perceived sense of conflict of interest? I mean, this is what this is a case study in many ways of what's going on at a lot of high schools around the country. And I think it's a troubling trend that really, really finally needs to be clarified once and for all. What's happening at Southside High School Girls Soccer is, unfortunately, as I said, is really becoming a, a real case study for school districts everywhere. And it comes down to this. If your son or daughter has hopes of making the high school varsity team and that varsity coach in town is also involved in a travel program that costs real money, then every parent knows that they'll have to pay thousands of dollars for their youngster to have a chance to be in that team. Why? Because if you don't, or if your kid plays for a different club team, well, they're, they're seriously hindering their chances of making that squad at the high school. Now, some parents, when I've talked to in my surveys, they've told me that, well, that's just the, the price of admission to be in the varsity team. Others, other moms and dads, well, they use stronger language, saying it's a, it's a, quote, form of extortion by the varsity coach, quote, and that, quote, you can't complain about it because if you do, your kid will be ostracized by the coach. This is tricky stuff, friends. And as I said, I, I visited before, but when I talked to Craig Semple from the, the AD from uh, Hand High School in, in Connecticut, he was talking about, okay, we should allow our coaches to work with their kids in the offseason, in the summertime, but only on a very sporadic basis. It's not a travel team and the monies that are collected are very, very uh, nominal. They're just about paying for, you know, field 
and uh, insurance and that kind of thing, and maybe just a few a few books here and there for the coach, but nothing substantial. It's different now when you have a coach who's a varsity, uh, a varsity staff, and basically saying, in effect, yeah, I, have a, I want a terrific travel program uh, all year round, and it'd uh, be great if somehow your daughter could be on that travel team. And that's, that's where all of a sudden the pressures begin to rise. The fees are exorbitant in many cases. They're set by the coach. And now all of a sudden you get the sense like, yeah, you know, if my kid wants to make that varsity, she better play for that travel team coach, as simple as that. And that's what I'm talking about, that kind of concern. Let's talk about it this morning at one 337 6666 Seth Canner is here this morning. He's got your morning update. When I return, I'll go right to the calls. Stay with me. Back here on the Sports Edge, we're talking this morning about high school varsity coaches who are also involved on travel teams that charge serious money for their athletes to be on their team. And the so the related perceived conflict of interest therein. Now, this is happening apparently at Southside High School in Rockville Center, where a longtime assistant varsity girls soccer coach isn't directly involved in a travel program for kids who aspire to be on the Southside varsity soccer team. The other concern focuses on those kids and families who can't afford to pay big bucks to be in a travel squad. These kids end up playing the sport up to a certain age, and then they stop because they can't afford to be on that travel team. Because, let's face it, not every family can, can afford to pay two, three, four thousand dollars uh, to have their youngster play on a club team. Now, mind you, lots of athletic directors will tell you that if they don't allow their high school coaches to work on travel teams in the summer or during the rest of the year, well, the, the coaches will just fat, flat out quit their varsity jobs. So the question is, is there a better way of handling all this? I mean, should there be a cap on how much a high school varsity coach can charge one of his or her players? Or should high school coaches not be allowed to do this at all? In fact, a lot of school boards already have rules in place that say, no, you can't do that. It is a perceived conflict of interest. one 337 6666 Let's start our conversation this morning with John over in Hamilton, New Jersey. John, good morning. You're on the fan. John, are you there? Hello. Long. Hello. John, are you there? Yeah, Rick. Yes. John, I think we've lost you. Why don't you give a call back? Let's go to uh, let's go to our friend uh, Jack Smithlin over in Fairlawn. Hey, Jack. Good morning. How are you? How are you, Rick? I'm good, um, Jack. I have a pretty good idea since we've talked about this before. I got a pretty good idea how you feel about this kind of issue. Well, you know what? In 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 my opinion, this coach broke one of my golden rules. And my golden rule is never, ever take money from a player that you're already getting paid to coach, whether it be high school or whatever. I mean, even club. If you have a kid on your club team that is looking for private lessons or more work, don't ever take money. It can only cause problems, and it always will cause problems. Because you'll have, you know, you'll have those kids that you're coaching privately on your team and all those parents sitting in the stands saying, wow, you know what? I mean, maybe if I want my kid to bat third or fourth or play short or center field, I guess I'd better take lessons with so-and-so. Exactly. But it becomes, 
it becomes a conflict of interest. And, I'm, and, and there is a solution to the problem that we're talking about with the soccer team out in Rockville Center. Yeah. All you need, yeah. all you need is one superstar on his varsity team, okay, that doesn't play for his club. What's he going to do, sit that kid? I mean, that'll never happen because he's probably more into, more into winning than he is, you know, instructing and doing the right thing. So when you have that situation where you have a kid on your varsity team that's your superstar scoring all your goals or the greatest goalie in the world, you know, yeah, or whatever, yeah. that will set the precedent for all these other parents. Like, you know what? This kid doesn't play, but because they're the superstar, then he'll really get into trouble if he continues to, to have that theory. I mean, I told, you, I told you the other day that there was a situation here in northern New Jersey where a guy was taking a, a high school coaching job and owned his own um, um, hitting facility, uh, you know, like a school. Right. And he told all of his players at the varsity level they had to take lessons with his instructors. Well, I know of three of those kids who quit the program and never played softball again. So it, it becomes a big, big problem. So, you know, my golden rule, and you know this, is never, ever take money from a player that you're already getting paid to coach, whether it be club, varsity, high school, even sub-varsity and freshman ball. It only can cause problems. Jack, That's I, it. I, I, mean, I, I hear you. Uh, and let me get some other calls, but I hear you loud and clear, and I'm glad, you, I'm glad you said that so well because it makes all the sense in the world. Thank you, Jack. I'll talk to you soon. You're, you're more than welcome, Rick. Thanks, Jack. And, and, you know, what Jack is saying may be a little bit old school, but the fact is he's absolutely right. Once you cross that line as, as a coach and all of a sudden you're getting paid by your players, it just has this perception. Now, as Jack said, you know, this is where the school boards – Really, or the athletic director has to really intervene and says, you know, I'm going to hire you as my varsity coach in this sport, but I have to caution you. You understand that we don't, we have rules here in this school that say you cannot have this kind of conflict of interest because if you do, it's just going to open up a real can of worms, a real Pandora's box of issues that we don't want to have here. Simple as that. Let's move on. Uh, let's go to uh, Huntington to uh, uh, Damien. Is that right, Damianus? Damianos. Damianos, yes, go ahead. You're on the fan. How you doing? How are you? Listen, uh, good, good. Long time I didn't speak to you guys. But in Smithtown, for, uh, from, uh, I would say, early 90s to last year, yeah. Tom Lips was doing exactly the same thing. He was forcing the players to be under him. He was controlling the uh, Smithtown Cougars, which is the uh, club that actually is traveling club. Uh-huh. So I opened an academy in 2002, a soccer academy in Smithtown. He was actually threatening the players, if anybody comes to me for training, he will not play for his travel teams or for the high school. So he was getting paid by 2000 kids in Smithtown. Right. And I wanted to get the high school or the schools to use the gyms for free to train the kids because now I have an indoor facility that during the winter times the kids will come to me for training. Yes. He went to the school district. He got the school to give him free gyms, and he was charging the kids $200 a month to go to the school gym because he didn't want a local business person 
to take those business away from him. He well, was controlling Smithtown for, for over 20 years. Does it still continue that way today, Damianis? No, he quit last year because apparently another club hired him to train them. Uh, and, and what he did now, he is making enough money and he's too busy. So high school soccer is not as important to him as it was before. I see. But, but, did, but did, over 20 years... Yes. Did anybody in Smithtown ever protest or complain about this? Well, they, they were afraid to, but the best players that they were produced from 2004 to 2018, yeah. they were my kids, and, and 50%, the best players on any varsity team from 2011 to 2018, yep. they were my players that I produced, but... The point I'm trying to make is he was getting paid to do the traveling team. And, and he was also, getting paid to do the high school team. I hear you. And he was getting all the freebies. Yeah. So he's getting paid to coach the travel program, getting paid by the, the varsity, by the school district, and he's getting, you say, the, all the free facilities courtesy of the school as well. That's, that's, that's not a – I'm telling you, and, and thank you for the call. Good to talk to you again, Damianis. Yeah, the fact is that's a, that's a formula for disaster – Somebody somewhere is going to say, that's not right. How, how can this guy be making basically, uh, he's coaching for a profit uh, off our kids and our kids' dreams and expectations? That's a real concern to me. That's a red flag. Uh, and I don't know the situation, obviously, in Smithtown. But as I said, what's happening with this kind of situation, these perceived conflict of interest, whether it's happening in Smithtown, over in Rockville Center, it's happening all over the country. That's a concern. Let's go to uh, West Islip. Hey, Abe, good morning. You're on the fan. Yes, Abe. Yeah. Abe, you there? All right, let's move on. Let's go to Scott and Tom's River. T- Scott, you're next up on the fan. Hey, Rick, thanks for having me. I've been trying to get on your show for a long time. I love your content. Um, Great, thanks, Scott. background on me, I'm a, a, a licensed athletic trainer, and I did the first 12 years of my career in a high school setting. Uh-huh. So uh, I have seen firsthand from kind of a, a sideline point of view uh, on, the, uh, on, on the club sport relationship to high school sports. Yes. Personally, I've always been very skeptical of club sports, given the amount of money that is uh, – uh, involved with it and the fact that a lot of times, uh, you know, profit is put ahead of development. And um, I just think the best way for this to, to be handled is just for, for the coach to, you know, a, a high school coach needs to, if they're going to, you know, look to make money off of their skill set as a coach, they got to do it in an area that is, that is or, or an age, age difference uh, from the, you know, if they're coaching high school, then they got to do, you know, player development and club stuff at the youth level. You know, so there isn't that conflict of interest. They got to do it, you know, in an area that, you know, is outside of their school district, so that the, uh, you know, they're not, they're not essentially, you know, um, you know, whating where they eat, for lack of a better term. I don't want to fault coaches for going out and trying to, you know, make money and, and off of a skill that they have, but they just have to be real careful to 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 not really mix, uh, you know, mix the two. Scott, I, I, I couldn't agree more with you. Again, we're dealing with perceptions. And, and the fact is, coaches, and also I agree with you, there's nothing wrong with a coach who has a skill set who wants to expand the horizons and perhaps make some extra, some extra more money on the side. But you've got to be careful how you, how you apply those skill sets. In other words, if you're, if, you have, if you're the gatekeeper for the varsity 
soccer program, and, and, and you're also coaching girls at that age level uh, in a travel program who obviously would love to make the, travel, make, make the varsity soccer program, you've got to see that as a real concern that the parents are never going to protest about having to pay two, three, four thousand dollars $4,000 because they want their kids to pursue their dreams. But coaches, you've got to have a sensitivity to that. And also, this goes to athletic directors as well. They have to understand that's a real concern, too, that they have to sort of buckle down and, and figure out that, no, 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 this just can't happen. Uh, and, Scott, th- thank you for the call. Uh, you know, I, I just think this is a simple issue. If, if it's put out in the open and it's addressed by enough people, by athletic directors who tell coaches up front, look, if you want to coach the girls' soccer team here, that's fine. But, you know, I, and you can go in the summertime and coach a, a girls' Uh, travel soccer, but not at the high school level. You coach them in their, perhaps in elementary or in middle school, uh, in a different school district, but not here because it's going to raise all sorts of concerns and issues. All right, let me let me take a pause. Uh, we're taking your calls about this this morning, about this perceived conflict of interest with high school coaches who also double dip as travel team coaches coaching their same kids. one 337 6666 Stay right here for more of Rick Wolf and the Sports Edge on The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN New York. Radio.com. Radio.com. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf. On your flagship station for New York sports, The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. And friends, don't forget to uh, check out, of course, my YouTube channel, Ask Coach Wolf, and uh, also check out uh, my constantly updating blog at AskCoachWolf.com. Now, before I get back to the issue of, of coaches and conflicts of interest, let me just say this about the the Mary Kane situation with Nike. Now, these are the facts. Mary Kane was a brilliant middle-distance runner out of Bronxville High School, which is a top-tier high school in Westchester County. Also a brilliant student. She pretty much could have gone to any top college in the country on a scholarship. I mean, she was truly the essence of a top national rising star. But for some reason, uh, she opted to go pro out of high school with Nike. Now, I fully believe that Mary, uh, totally Mary, when Mary says she, that Nike didn't have any female counselors to help her deal with her frustrations or any psychologists she could turn to and so on. I mean, Nike should have definitely had medical professionals to help her with her concerns, to make sure her physical health was being monitored on, on on a constant basis and that she was in good health. But but now, as you've heard the reports, as a result, we just have a terrible and awful mess. And we all feel very, very sorry for Mary Kane and, and what has happened to her. And, you know, along those lines, remember Olivia Moultrie? She's the 13-year-old soccer phenom who we talked to a few months ago on the Sports Edge. And with her parents' blessing, Olivia, at age 13, went pro also with Nike. She's basically foregoing her high school and college career as a homeschooled eighth grader. And I have to wonder, in light of what's happened with Mary Kane going pro with Nike out of high school, 
Wonder what Olivia Moultrie's parents make of all this with Mary and Nike. Okay, let's get back to our conflict of interest issue. Our next call is from, oh, let's go to Ed Ward over to Elizabeth. Ed, good morning. What do you make of the situation with this conflict of interest situation? Well, here's my feeling on that. During the high school, during, when they're in high school, which is from September to June, yep. no coach should be allowed to work with their players. Okay? Okay. If they want to get private instruction, I, as a coach, wouldn't even recommend them to quality people. Because here's my reasoning on that, Rick. Okay. Suppose I recommend them to you, even though you're a great or a good uh, instructor. Yeah. Comes back, for whatever reason, I decide to, to cut, cut the person for whatever. Maybe they're, they're not up to, up to the level to play varsity. Yeah. Now you know the letter's going to go to the Board of Education, go to the principal, go to the AD, that I recommended so-and-so <laughs> to go to this person. That's where right. Now, That's right. I don't have to, where now, I didn't recommend anyone. You decide to go on your own. I, I, the way I would handle this, check on the Internet, see which one fits your needs. Okay. In the summertime with, with travel coaches, yes, there are a lot of high school coaches now uh, doing it. Um, you know, you, you want it, you try to make that the, your best team available to get them hopefully involved in front of quality college coaches. So hopefully you're only going to take the players that are quality players in your program, but you may have to write, write a little, little clause and say, Hey, there's no guarantee that I'm going to, you're going to get a, a, a college, uh, uh, scholarship or, or an opportunity to play college baseball because you know that's going to go back to the board of ed too saying well he played for my my team his team and then all of a sudden they're going to say you know well, we did this because he made a statement saying that uh you know he, he could get us into college well you, well, you, you it's, it's almost like you got to have written statements I, I, parents got to sign ed i was to, just going to cover say... your in I, I, I was just going to say, and, and, and thank you as always for your thoughts, the right on target. You know, it, it, Ed is saying, and I agree with this, because of this this concern that parents have about coaches and the, the perceived, you know, conflicts of interest of running a travel program either during the year, outside, in the summer leagues, whatever, you know, it's got to be just so complicated because parents are not going to hear or they're not going to read the fine print that, no, there's, if your kid plays on this team, there's no guarantee that, A, your kid's going to make my varsity team. There's no guarantee the kid's going to get a college scholarship. But parents rarely read that stuff. This is why I say for years and years and years, there's got to be a commissioner of youth sports in this country because travel programs, club teams, I'm not, I'm not opposed to travel or club teams. Don't get me wrong about this. They're not going away. They're everywhere, and that's fine. There are a lot of wonderful coaches who run travel and club teams, but you got to stay within the confines of understanding that we need some oversight of all this so parents know what they're getting involved in with their youngsters. There are a lot of really, unfortunately, naive parents who don't really understand how this all plays out, and that's what we're trying to protect, and we're trying to protect the kids as well who figure, well, if I made the travel team here with the, the varsity coach, then I guess I'll make the varsity team doesn't always work out that way. And that's what I think we need, some real direct federal oversight. I mean, it's as simple as that. And by the way, I, I wanted to point out, in Ohio, and I discussed this a few months ago, in Ohio, they, they used to have a rule that said basically that, no, 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 we can't allow our high school varsity coaches to coach on travel programs. And they, the state did a, a, a complete 180 on that. Because so many athletic directors in Ohio were saying, we're losing our best coaches. They're going off and saying, well, 
if I, I can make more money being a travel team coach. So they decided to do a 180 on this, and now they can say, no, there's no longer any ban. You can coach the high school level and also coach on travel teams. Now, I don't have all the details as to how this is implemented in Ohio, but clearly this is happening. These are concerns all over the country. Let's move on. Let's go to uh, Steve up in Connecticut. Steve, good morning. You're on the fan. Hey, Rick, what's going on? Hey, Steve. So, yeah, so first off, I played uh, I played soccer and baseball in college at the Division II level, and I played in high school as well. And I just want to add one wrinkle because growing up, and especially in, in, in high school, both the baseball coach and the soccer coach wanted me to quit the other sport. Of course. And play and play their uh, and, and play on their own, you know, of premier course. travel team or, or affiliate with that travel team. So I'm not sure if that was that was brought up, but you know, I'm, I was fortunate enough to be a, a good enough player where I didn't give in, my parents didn't give in, and uh, you know, ultimately I decided to and uh, was able to go play in college. But um, you know, I saw a lot of a lot of my friends affected by that and, and kind of giving up a sport that they loved. Um, just because they love to know a sport that much more and, and didn't want their changes to be uh, to be ruined. So I mean, that's another wrinkle that yes. you know, aside from what you know, you've been talking about all morning, the the, the premier teams, not the, the coaches, you know, kind of threatening to quit other sports just to play that sport all year round. So Steve, that that uh, is that know. is an important aspect of this as well. I'm glad you mentioned that because yes, the the travel team coaches, as part of their pitch, will say to the parent. Well, you know, I know your kid's a natural athlete. Like, Steve, obviously you were a great baseball and soccer player. But if, if Steve wants to really shine and become a premier soccer player, he really needs to forget the baseball and just play soccer exactly. all year round on my travel team. Or vice versa, the baseball coach is saying, no, 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 forget the soccer, play, base, play baseball all year round. It's, it's not fair to the youngster. It's not fair to the parents. And quite frankly, we now know that at the at the uh, the premier professional level, very few pro athletes ever specialize in just one sport when they were a kid. They played a variety of sports. So that's that's yeah. it's a real concern and it's hard again, and Steve, thanks for the call. It's hard for parents to see through all this because they just don't know they're listening to these wonderful pitches from these travel team elite club programs that say, Yeah, yeah, your could be something special. All you have to do is, you know, play on my travel program. And, and uh, we'll take it to uh, the promised land. Let's go up to uh, Westchester County. Joe, good morning. You're next up on the fan. Hey, good morning, Rick. How are you? Good, Joe. So I am a, a varsity coach up in Westchester County, a lacrosse coach at a high school. And um, I do, I'm also a private lacrosse coach. I want to just kind of frame this a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, where I do not take money from my own players when I do lessons with them for the reasons that you stated earlier. I think it's a conflict of interest. I right. think it just sets a bad precedent. Yep. But here's another way of looking at this as well, is that even with the kids that are playing on club teams, I see chemistry problems at the varsity level, and it really kind of starts with the parents. That when certain kids might be playing for certain coaches, oh, that kid's playing because he plays for that coach or she plays for that coach, or the only reason why my kid's not playing is because they play for a competitive coach. So there's a lot of chemistry problems that this stuff causes that I think we lose sight of. And if you don't have chemistry on teams, you really can't reasonably expect to be successful. Joe, everything you talk about is all part of the the situation. I'm glad you brought this up because, yeah, there are these these, – swirling uh, undercurrents, rumors of, of, of conflicts or, or, as you say, chemistry issues. Oh, well, the coach doesn't uh, like that kid because the kid doesn't play on his summer league travel team. He plays on a competing travel team. 
I mean, this is all happening all the time. These issues, as you know, Joe, didn't exist 10, 15, 20 years ago because there weren't so many travel programs. But they do exist now. And I'm glad to hear that you've you've taken a stance and said, no, I'm not going to charge my own varsity players, you know, to coach them. I mean, that that would be a complete conflict of interest. But that's not... It's the appearance of impropriety. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt here, but even my school actually has issues with it. Where they even us for us to do off season workouts, um, um, winter, uh, sub, I'm sorry, sorry, uh, summer open field sessions. The school has a problem with that because in the past coaches have put pressures on girls to say, hey, if you don't come to these things, you won't make the program. Right. You may may not make the program. Right. So every communication we send out in our emails at the bottom is a disclaimer that basically says our decisions that we make in March are based upon what you do in March. What you do between now and March doesn't really matter as long as you come in March, just beginning of lacrosse season, ready to play. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, Joe, it, it, it's, uh, it, it's just really um... – well, let me put it this way. I'm glad that you are sensitive to this. I'm glad you're aware of the undercurrents, the chemistry issues, and I'm glad your school district is aware of these things as well because the time has come to really sort of get this all figured out and take a stand. And, Joe, thank you for the call. You know, I really do believe this time has come. we got to figure this out, whether it's in, in Rockville Center uh, or in Smithtown or up in Westchester County, everywhere. These are real concerns for every sports parent and for coaches everywhere. All right. Time for a timeout. Uh, take a break. When I come back, I go right back to the calls. Stay with me. Radio.com. Radio.com. And let's go right back to our callers. Let's go up to Monroe, Connecticut. Paul, good morning. You're next up on the fan. Hi, good morning. The, um... I just uh, I love your show. It really does. It has a lot of impact, and it is, and it uh, brings a lot of perspective to, uh, especially in this particular case. I'm a, I'm a travel softball coach. Yep. I actually run a program for about 15 years now. I think the biggest problem is 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 the integrity of all these sports, um, and I and I kind of and unfortunately you have to kind of put it on the parents. A lot of the parents are spending so much time chasing this dream of the one percenter that. They really don't take time to sit down with a calculator and look at how much they're spending in these programs. Um, one, one of the things we do with that, I made a rule because I just couldn't, I wasn't comfortable watching kids get cut every year yeah. um, on some of these programs. We just turned around, and our program is very, very simple. One is every player has to play two games on a Saturday because softball, most of the time, it's weekend it's tournaments. Sure. And then on Sunday, it's up to the coach what they want to do. But they know that when, they, when we have our tryouts, if they pick a player, that player is not allowed to be cut. They have to make them better, or they have to move them somewhere else within our pro- help get permission from the upper management to move them somewhere else in a program. Because especially in softball, it's a very long process in teaching these kids with repetition. I mean, if a kid fails, if a kid you know strikes out, everyone knows who did it. If they ball goes between their legs, everyone knows who did it. Of course. I just don't think people are investing enough time in these kids or investing enough time in understanding the value of the game. No one's getting a multi-million dollar contract, at least in softball anyway. Yep. They should be doing it for the character building and things of that nature. Well, Paul, I mean, I, I will say this. Certainly, I mean, my personal opinion that when it comes to the variety of sports that our kids play, there is when you get to baseball and softball, those sports are so demanding. And as you say, it takes so many years to master those, those skills. Um, I think that's mm-hmm. a, a key component. And also... If it, my personal opinion again, if a youngster is good enough to make your travel team, 
and actually makes the squad and makes the cut and is on the roster, then he or she mm-hmm. should be good enough to play in at least you know half the games, uh, the full games. I mean, because if why did you put the kid on your roster if you don't think the kid's good enough to play, or you don't have the uh, the, uh, the 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 sense that they're good enough to to participate and to play competitively? I mean, why would you put the well, kid? Well, that's your a good team? that's a good question. It, well, what happens is, is in Connecticut in, in, the, in the late 90s, early 2000s, there were only 15 elite teams. Yeah. Everything else was Little League. Now, I think last year, 147 teams were registered uh, as travel softball teams. Every dad, when he doesn't get what he wants, or a mom, when they don't see what they want out of their player, decide to start their own teams. Of course. So we kind of let the, the wolf in the hen house. Someone who's teaching lessons or wants to charge, like, we charge $2,000 a year for tuition, including uniforms, uh, tr- practice, and everything. There's some programs out there charging anywhere from five to $7,000. We're a not-for-profit. Uh, um, but some of these make a lot of money, and, but it's, it's a product in demand. If you know parents are chasing, looking for this, then, and they put it out there and they sign up and jump from team to team and spend all this crazy money, it's, it's really on the parents. I mean, I tell all the time, buyer beware. If you pick the wrong pitching coach or hitting coach, yeah. it's a long process. They can drag you on for two years. Of course. And, 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 and Paul, thank you for the, the call this morning. I, I do agree that, yes, because of the, the proliferation in recent years of travel teams, people now begin to realize, that, well, I don't, I can put, anybody can put out a shingle and say I'm starting a travel team because uh, there's no rules, no regulations. You just can do it. Simple as that. Uh, that's become, uh, you know, we heard about daddy ball. That's obviously the genesis of daddy ball. I want my kid to be a star, so I'll have my own travel team for my own kid, and I'll put my kid's friends on the team, and I can charge whatever I want uh, and go from there. That's where we are today. I do believe when it comes to these conflicts of interest, I do believe that, that high school athletic directors and boards of education really need to outline to coaches when they are hired that we have strict rules about conflict of interest and we want to avoid the perception of conflict of interest with our parents within our school district because otherwise these things are just get more and more complicated. It is as simple as that. And I do concern, I am concerned about what's happening, as I said, in places like Rockville Center and districts all over the tri-state area and all over the country, quite frankly. It is a growing, growing crisis. Okay, that's going to do it. For me, in this edition of the Sports Edge, my thanks this morning to Pete Kennedy. Please stick around for J.J. He is up next. I'll see you next Sunday morning right here on the Sports Edge. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.